Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation is from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 22 through 28, the Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday of Easter, especially these words. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if I say the word Jim Caviezel, does that mean anything to you? It might. If I said to you the movie... The Passion of the Christ. Now, would that mean something to you? I think most Christians have at least heard of the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Many of those Christians have seen that movie, perhaps multiple times. Jim Caviezel is the man who portrays Jesus. His name is not a household name. Many of the people who have portrayed Jesus in the movies over the years have seen their career go up in flames. Somebody who plays Jesus seems to be untouchable when it comes to the Hollywood crowd. Oh, Max von Sydow got, got kind of a side gig in The Exorcist, and Jeffrey Hunter got a little bit of work. But for the most part, it's career suicide to play Jesus. In fact, after Mel Gibson offered Jim Caviezel the role, and he accepted, he tried to talk him out of it. He said, you're too good of an actor to do this. But Caviezel said no. I will do it. In the time that has passed since the Passion of the Christ has come out, Jim Caviezel has been virtually blacklisted in Hollywood. Why? Well, it's very simple. He is open about his faith. He's a very devout Roman Catholic. He is open about his faith. He confesses his faith. He speaks against the things that the Bible speaks against, like using parts of aborted babies for stem cell research, other sanctity of life issues. But most of all, because he even though he's considered to be quite a heartthrob, he refuses to get naked on screen. And because of that, 
you will not see him in the latest Hollywood blockbuster love story. Why do I share this in our message for tonight? It is very easy to go along with the crowd. It is very easy to go along with popular opinion. Whether that crowd is your high school or college frat group or your buddies at work, the latest fad in our community or in our country, that which is considered politically correct. But it is not easy to go against the flow. It is not easy to stand up for what your conscience tells you is right. It is not easy to stand up and say, God's word says this, and I believe it. It is not easy to separate yourself from the crowd. To separate yourself from the world. To separate yourself from sin. Ezekiel has some difficult words to say to the people. Difficult words that God has given the prophet to say. God is not happy. God's reputation is being drugged through the mud. And who is dragging God's name and reputation through the mud? The people that claim to be his children, his followers, believers, Christians. They have profaned the name of the Lord. We don't use that word much anymore, do we? Kind of like the word reverence. Doesn't mean anything. It's where we get our word profanity. We have dirtied and sullied the name of God like the children of Israel did. How? By how we talk, by how we act, and how, by how we go along with the crowd. We go with the flow. And when we have an opportunity to confess the faith by what we say, by what we do, by how we act, we refuse to separate ourselves from the world. We refuse to separate ourselves from the nations. So, what does God say? He could say, I will send you straight to hell. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. He could say, I wash my hands of you. How many times do I have to tell you what's right or wrong? He could say, you made your own bed. Now lie in it. But instead, God says, I will take matters into my own hands. I I myself will save you. I, I myself will separate you from the nations. I, I myself will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit. And he says, I will cleanse you. A little bit later, I will sprinkle you. I will cleanse you from all your uncleannesses. He will wash us and wash us clean. Well, that's some pretty powerful washing fluid, Pastor. That's some pretty powerful water that God washes us clean with, right? Can't be done. How can water do such great things? You know your catechism. It's not the water, but it is the Word of God attached to the water. God washes us clean. If you want to think of it this way, He hoses us down with the most powerful cleansing fluid in the world, the Word of God. And in so doing, He gives us a new heart and a new spirit. The Bible uses heart language a lot. We have a sinful heart. We have a stone-cold, dead heart. God gives us a new heart. It's easy for us to think of that seven-pound or however big it is muscle that is beating inside of us. But that's not what God is talking about. What God is talking about, especially in the Old Testament, when he uses the word heart, is the seat of all desires. Let me say that again. Your heart, according to God's word, is that part of you that wants something. That desires something. Your heart is your will. And for most of us, it is our heart, our sinful heart, our sinful, broken, corrupted will that drives us. It drives what we do, it drives what we think, it drives what we say. Our will, our heart, wants what it wants, and it wants it now. Our heart, our will, takes good things and turns them into idols, false idols, idols that cannot save. So, does an idol produce a cold, dead heart in you? Or does the cold, dead heart in you produce the idol? You're Lutheran, you know the answer. Yes. 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 God knows it. God sees it. He sees how we act, how we live. And he is sick and tired of us dragging his name through the mud, profaning his name through the nations. We who claim to be Christians, acting no differently than the world around us. So God says, I'm going to act. 
I'm going to act. He sends his son into this world, into this corrupt, sin-filled, idol-plagued world. His son Jesus places himself under the law and he fulfills it. His son Jesus takes all of our crass idolatry, all of our profanity, all of the things that we do that we shouldn't do, all of the things that we don't do that we should do, every sin in total onto himself. He takes the hit that we have earned and deserved. He goes to Calvary's cross. He dies our death. Our substitute, Jesus, really died. The stone-cold body of Jesus was placed into a tomb. If Jesus was any other false god or false idol, we could go on a bus trip take a memorial drive or flight to the tomb of Jesus and think warm thoughts. But there is one thing that separates Jesus from every other false god and idol. Jesus was dead and is now alive again. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. We'll sing those words in just a few moments. The rafters shake when the VBS kids sing that. Do we really believe it? Do we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the devil? That God in his infinite love and mercy gives us Jesus' Good Friday death and Easter resurrection in the waters of holy baptism. He power washes us with the gospel. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new will. A new will that wants to hear the word of God. A new will that wants to obey the word of God. A new will that wants to die to our sinful lusts and passions and idolatries. And daily live in and with Jesus Christ. My friends, it is impossible on your own will... To separate yourself from the devil, the world, and your flesh. You can't do it. Oh, you might, you might subscribe to a 10-step program and try to improve your outward living. You may even have a radical lifestyle change. But you can't change your heart. You can't change your will. You can't change your want to. Because the old Adam that lives inside of you will always want to do the evil instead of the good. The old Adam inside of you will always want to do that which is contrary to the will of God. The old Adam inside of you will always want to not do or put off what God calls you to do. Paul says it this way in Romans 7. Oh, the good that I should, I don't. 
Oh, the evil that I shouldn't, that I do, uh, I do. Who can save this wretched man? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus not only can save you, he has. By his life, by his death, by his resurrection, your sins are paid for in full. By the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you in holy baptism, you have a new heart, a new will, a new desire living and beating inside of you. And there is a battle that goes on. And it wages war inside of every Christian. That war between the old Adam and the new spirit. And that war goes on every day. And it will continue to go on every day that you draw breath. Anybody who tells you that this battle is, not e or is easy is lying. Anybody who tells you that this battle isn't real is lying. Anybody who tells you that you can will your way out of this battle is a false teacher. There is only one way for the Christian to live. And that is to die every day. Returning to your baptism. And rise with Christ every day. There is no magic pill. There is no quick fix. There is daily dying and rising with Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the Christian life. That, my friends, is true repentance. That, my friends, is the walk we share together. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our desires, and our wills in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.